you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 56. That is where we will be tonight. Uh, We are in a series. If you were not here last week, we just began a series called All the Feels. Uh, Basically, we are talking about different emotions that we face and how to bring them before God in a way that honors him. Uh, And tonight, we're going to be covering the emotion of fear. Uh, And some of you in this room might be like, I never fear anything. I'm not afraid. Uh, But at some point in your life, you will be afraid of something. Um, Anxiety comes along with fear. It kind of goes hand in hand. And so if you've had anxiety, you probably are struggling with some fear of something. Um, I'll be honest, I felt a little nervous to teach on this subject because it's something that I have struggled heavily with in my life so far. 30 years old, still struggle with fear Um, in two different ways. The first way is I'm really jumpy. So it's really easy to scare me. Uh, And this was first discovered on the Boston missions trip for the first time. I'm not going to name names, but Calvin decided that it was really uh, cool to scare me. And then others joined in and there was this really creepy basement and it just became this thing. And what you may not know about me is when I get scared, I have this like blood curdling scream that just like erupts out of me and it's terrifying Um, So when I came back from Boston, I guess word got out, and then Cade thought that it would be really exciting to just scare me all the time. And I actually have a clip of one of those times, if you want to just take a look at the screen. at the end of that, I'm saying ow, because it hurt so bad from screaming, and I was just terrified. I don't know of what, but I was coming back from lunch, walking in my office. You don't expect someone to be behind your door, uh, and ironically, I have this sign in my office that I change based on what God is teaching me, and the words on that sign said, do not fear, and then I was afraid. So uh, there's that, but um, not only am I jumpy, Um, But I also kind of struggle with this need for control. Um, And I first kind of discovered that this was a thing in college. I had to fly a lot because I was out in Colorado for school. And I was afraid to fly because I wasn't in control of the airplane, which, I mean, I shouldn't be in control of the airplane because I don't know how to fly. Um, And I should have just put my trust in this person that's flying this plane that was trained to do this. But I was terrified, and so I actually started taking, like, flight anxiety medication because I was so afraid to get on this plane. Um, Thankfully, I don't have to take it anymore. I've overcome that fear, praise the Lord. Um, But I used to have to take flight anxiety medication, Uh, and it's not something I'm proud of, but I have struggled with fear, and I still struggle with fear. Um, But there are ways to battle it. Um, You may think you understand what fear is, but what I want to do is define it um, and take a second to help you understand what it actually is. And so what is fear? Fear is an unpleasant emotion that is caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by a belief that someone or something is dangerous. And that word belief is really important. Because belief is an acceptance or a resolve that something is true or exists. 
It's an acceptance or a resolve that something is true or exists. So essentially, you're placing your belief in your fear. And if you're a believer here tonight, you would claim to believe in God, that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, that he rose again and ascended to the Father and is coming back again to redeem all things. And that is our greatest hope. But if you're placing your belief in your fear, then you're not focusing on the right thing. And what happens when we fear? Well, we get anxious. We get depressed. We feel confused, maybe paralyzed. We freak out. We become internal rather than external or internal rather than looking upward even. And we lose sight of our greatest hope. And we instead fix our eyes on the thing we fear. And so we're believing in what we fear rather than God. And you may not think that when you're having a moment of fear. You might not think, oh, I'm just believing in my fear and I'm not believing in God. But essentially, you're putting fear higher than God. So what kinds of things do we fear? Let's talk about a few of them. So there's fear of the future. Some of you are about to go to college. Maybe you're worried you're not going to get in, or maybe you have already got in, but you're just afraid, am I even going to make friends? How am I going to manage going to a new place where nobody knows me? Some of you juniors might be already thinking about college, and you're like failing a class, and you're like, I'm just never even going to make it to college. I'm probably not going to graduate. Fear of being in control, like I talked about, bad things happening. Maybe you're conditioned to think that because your family life is so chaotic that you're just conditioned to think, well, things are just going to go bad. Maybe you're afraid of the present, the unknown of tomorrow, the test you have tomorrow. It can be big, it can be small. Maybe you're afraid of failure, of not being good enough. You don't have what it takes. Maybe you have a fear of never getting what you want most, whether that's like getting married someday, whether it's whatever it is for you. You're afraid you're never going to attain this thing that you're fixated on. Maybe you're afraid of yourself. That's a weird one. But maybe you're afraid of getting found out. Maybe that thing that you did last night that you just can't stop doing, you're afraid that if somebody actually knew what you were doing... They would look at you in disgust and just want nothing to do with you. Or maybe you did something a year ago and you you just can't even imagine anyone knowing what it is. And you're afraid of getting found out. Maybe you're afraid of just being alone. You feel like you don't fit in. You don't have friends. Or maybe you just have a bunch of acquaintances, but no one really knows you and you're just afraid to even be vulnerable with people. Whatever it is for you, whether I touched on it or not, we all face fear at some point or another. So tonight we're going to be in Psalm 56. And this psalm is written by David. Uh, And the context of this psalm is that he was uh, captured by the Philistines and he is fearing for his life. He thinks they are going to kill him. So David has like a legit reason to be afraid. And then he writes this psalm. Starting in verse 1, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. 
for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause, all their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle, are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So David writes this, and I think there are five things that we can pull from this psalm to help us battle against fear in our life. The first one is this, is that David cries out to God first. And that may seem really simple. When I came up with that point and pulled it from the text, I thought, well, that's like really easy. Like, I'm going to give that to them. They're going to be like, yeah, duh. But we don't do that. We run every which way. We, get, we freak out. We get anxious. We run to our friends. We, we get stuck in the moment. We get lost in our thoughts. And we forget to cry out to God first. David starts out first with, be gracious to me, O God. Then he talks about his unwanted circumstance. Far too often I even find myself saying, this is my circumstance, now save me. But he's calling on God's character saying, you're a God who is gracious, so be gracious to me. Whether I deserve this or not, be gracious to me. So where do you normally turn when you're fearful? Do you turn to God? One easy way to do that is grab a journal and write out your thoughts to the Lord and pour that out to him. This morning at 5 a.m., my daughter started crying. And I was like, seriously, Josie, don't you know I'm supposed to speak tonight and I really need, I need rest. But she didn't get it because she's three months old. Uh, but she started crying. And as I'm in her room rocking her back to sleep, I thought, Man, this really makes a whole lot of sense. Like, this child is helpless. When she wakes up in the middle of the night, she doesn't think, hmm, I think I'm just going to lay here and hope that my mom wakes up. Or I'm just going to sit here paralyzed and just hope that she realizes that, she's, that I need her. No, she cries out to me. She cries out for me to come to her. Because she knows I'm going to come. And this helplessness of a baby is essentially what we ought to be like with God. We should come to God and say, I am helpless without you. If you woke up in the middle of the night tonight, you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't cry out to your parents to come and get you because you're like 12, 13, 14, 15, 18. Like, that would be kind of weird. I mean, maybe you do that. But this little child who can't talk, who can't grab her phone and occupy herself in the middle of the night, which she shouldn't do that, by the way, is crying out to me. And that's how it needs to be with God. 
when you need something, when you are fearful, you have to cry out to God first. The second thing we find in verses three and four, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust I shall not be afraid, what can flesh do to me? The second point is that David declares that no circumstance is above God. He says when he is afraid, he's going to put his trust in God. Not if he gets afraid, not after he gets afraid, when he is afraid. In the middle of being afraid, he's going to put his trust in God. And if you think about those different areas of failure that we already talked about, when we fear the future, when you're fearing the future, you are saying, when I am afraid of the future, I'm putting my trust in the what ifs. All these what ifs. And for some of you, you know that all too well. Your mind just goes nuts thinking of all the possibilities that can go wrong. When you're feeling failure, you're saying, when I am afraid of failing, I'm putting my trust in what other people think of me. Not what God thinks of you, what other people are thinking of you, your abilities, if you have what it takes, if you're enough. And the truth is, is none of us are enough. If you think you're enough, you're going to realize someday that you're not. None of us are enough, and that's why we need Jesus. Fear of not being in control. You're putting your trust in yourself, that you know the best way. Not that God knows the best way, that you know the best way. At the end, in verse 4, David says, What can flesh do to me? And if we're honest, a lot. Like, this world is broken. We saw that this week with Kobe Bryant and and all the news about him. Kobe Bryant, basketball player. That's good. good. Just keep not watching any media at all. Just you be you, okay? Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash with his daughter and seven other people. Yeah. Now you know. I'm sorry to break the news to you. Uh, But the truth is, is this world, like, there are awful things that happen all the time. And David is saying, what can flesh do to me? Which is a crazy statement. Because he's declaring that no circumstance, no, like the impending death that he's afraid of, doesn't compare to the God that he trusts in. Could you say that? Could you sit here tonight and say, if I died tomorrow, like, that, no big deal. This world is broken, and David is encouraging us in his declaration of saying, no circumstances above our God. The third thing is that David reminds himself that God sees him. And guys, guys in the room, I know that this next verse is like very poetic, and you're going to be like, I don't cry, ever. I bet you do sometimes, okay? Uh, or you have thoughts that could be worth crying, okay? Uh, but in verse 8, it says, You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? And the way that David describes this intimate care of God is incredible. The only way I know how to describe it, again, giving the example of my daughter, because I just love her and I like talking about her. 
she knows that I'm going to take care of her all the time. Andrew and I, he's home with her right now. Hopefully he's watching her. Uh, we're going to take care of her, okay? We love her. We carry around a video monitor when she's in the other room because we want to make sure she's okay. And that fear of controlling me, every once in a while, I'm like, hey, is she breathing? Can you just check to see if she's breathing? And Andrew's like, she's breathing. Chill. But I get scared. And I have to remind myself, even if my worst fear came true, even if she stopped breathing, which would be awful, God is above that circumstance. And that's a hard thing to say, but I have to believe that. But David is reminding himself that God sees him. Just as I watch Josie and I pay attention to her every need, so much more God does that for us. And we see that in Psalm 139. And it's a psalm that you've probably heard plenty of times. We all know fearfully and wonderfully made. But the beginning of this is so good. And so I want you to listen to it. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? And sometimes we can skip over passages of scripture like that. It's so easy to just like read a line of scripture and be like, oh, cool. You know me. You searched me. Great. Thank you. But when you were sitting in class today, God saw you. When you were worried about what you looked like as you passed by the glass at the building that you're at, God saw you. And he was looking at you saying, you look great. You look fine. And I know you do it because sometimes I sit in the student center when I'm about to have lunch with people and I see people looking at themselves in the glass. And so I know that you do it. And I do it sometimes, okay? And then I'm like, why did I just do that? Because we're, we're wrapped up in ourselves. But God is saying, I see you and I think you're great. And you know what? The other night when you were by yourself in your room, and maybe some of you, someone in here did something that you shouldn't have done in your weakness, in your sin, by yourself, nobody around. God saw you. And you know what he said? That he loves you. And he just wants you to turn back around. And those thoughts in your head that never go away, God sees that. And he loves you. And he sent Jesus to die for you. Because you are never going to get it right. Ever. And God sees your tossings, what you're afraid of, the things that you fear most, God sees you, and he's with you, and he's lingering in it with you. And it's not that he's not rescuing you. It's actually the kindness of God that he would step down and linger in your fear with you. Say, I see that. In your brokenness, I'm going to walk with you. And you don't have to be afraid because I see every single thing, everything you're thinking. God loves you. And you can't just skip over that phrase. 
He loves you more than you could even imagine, and he pays attention to your every move. When we remember who God is, it reminds us that we can entrust ourselves to the care of God in the midst of any circumstance. When we remember who God is, it reminds us that we can entrust ourselves to the care of God in any circumstance. Not just some circumstances, any circumstance. The fourth thing is that David continues to preach truth to himself. In verses 9 through 12, it says, Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? He says, this I know that God is for me. If you have a best friend, you would think this person is for me. I share my secrets with them. They share their secrets with me. We are here for each other. They are for me. You have relationship with each other. David knows that God is for him because he has a relationship with God. And so if you are fearful and you just can't get over this fear or you find yourself in a fearful place all the time, maybe you need to take a look at your relationship with God. Do you see him rightly? Do you understand his character? Do you understand the gospel? Do you understand how he sees you? Take a look at your relationship, or maybe you need to invest in that relationship. Maybe you need to open up this and wade through the awkward, difficult words to just build upon the foundation of your relationship with God. He says, in God whose word I praise twice, because he obviously knows what this says. And he's going to put a stake in God's words over everything else. In Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You would say a billionaire has a lot of money. This is kind of encouraging you to be like a billionaire with God's word, which sounds silly, but it's true. Praise is looking like that was so corny. Why did you say that? It's fine. I don't care what you think of me. Uh, do you know God's word? When I was in college, uh, out in Colorado, I was playing D2 basketball, and it was the craziest training I've ever been in in my life. And we would get up at 5.30 in the morning, three times a week, and I was scared out of my mind every single night. I just was terrified of what they were going to make us do, because In those workouts, I just felt like I probably am going to die because I can't breathe, and the altitude out there is crazy. Um, And I just would get anxious, and I just gave in to my anxiety all the time, all the time. And then finally, I realized, you know what? I have something that is better than anxiety, and it's called the Lord. And so I started reading my Bible every night before I would have training. And I would find a verse, and I would write the, I would memorize it, and I would write the scripture on my hand. And in those moments that I thought that I was going to die, I would look at my hand, and I would recite that memory verse in my mind over and over and over and over again. And that is the only reason why I'm here today, because I think I really would have died had I not done that. 
Do you look at God's word and find truth to use in the moments that you need it most? Because what you choose to know by heart is what you're going to remember in the dark. What you choose to know by heart is what you're going to remember in the dark. Those dark times that you fear, you need ammo in order to battle it. And if you don't have God's word, you're just going to be afraid. Because you are not powerful enough to not be afraid on your own. Raise your hand if you have one of your parents' phone numbers memorized. That is way better than I thought it was going to be. I'm so proud of all of you. I was expecting like half the room and I was going to have to say like, hey, your phone might die sometime, so you're going to need to memorize it. That was so good. Why do you have your parents' phone numbers memorized? Yeah, in case of emergency. Because if something goes wrong, you need a number to call to come and save you. So why don't you memorize God's word? It is the greatest truth that you have. The greatest truth that you have. And, it, and it's for every area of your life. And so read it and open it up and find things that apply to your life. In case of emergency, you need this. And it's not just for emergencies, but in the emergencies, in those dark times, when you are afraid, you need to know this. And that's what David is encouraging us, that we need to preach truth to ourselves. And we can't preach truth to ourselves if we don't know truth. The fifth thing, and last thing, is that David proclaims his purpose behind trusting God to deliver him. He proclaims his purpose behind trusting God to deliver him. There's a reason that he's trusting in God. And at the end in verse 13, it says, For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. David is declaring that his life is to be used for God's glory. We talked about our greatest hope being in Jesus, that we know as believers that someday Jesus is coming back and there will be no more fear and there will be no more tears and there will be no pain. There will be nothing for you to be afraid of. And when we fear, we lose sight of that hope. In John 8, 12, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's what David says, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Jesus is telling the people, if you follow me, you will walk in the light of life. You will have everything that you need. And then again, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he then gives this charge to us as the people of God. And he says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It says to let your light shine. 
And so if you're following Jesus, if you're fixing your eyes on your hope, you're going to have this light to shine in the darkness. And there is a purpose to you trusting God that is beyond just yourself. And so hear me on this. The situations and the circumstances that you fear most can be a means by which God uses your trust in him to show the world how great and trustworthy he is. The things that you fear the most in your life, God can use them if you trust him and there is purpose in it. And so not only does God see you and love you and want to walk with you through those things, but he also wants to use you to bring truth to other people. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I want you to take a minute to think about the area that you may struggle most with fear. And maybe right now you're not afraid of anything. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm good right now. But maybe you have a friend that you know is just riddled with anxiety and fear. Then pray for them. But I want you to take a minute to think about the way that you fear. And what's holding you back from surrendering it to the Lord. And trusting that he can do something with it. Even in your brokenness. We are called to be different. And we don't have to let fear and anxiety rule us. Where there's hope, there is freedom. And where there is fear, there is bondage. And we don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to think that you're just stuck there. But you do have to seek the one who can get you out of it. And trust that he will be faithful to do so. So why don't you bow your heads and take a second just to think about what you might need to surrender to the Lord tonight. I'm going to pray and I want you to use this next song to fix your eyes on the God who is better, the God who is above it all, the God who is trustworthy, who loves you and sees you in your brokenness and loves you anyway.